For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. New York State is home to its first free-ranging bison herd since the 1700s. The herd is comprised of 45 calves, 27 cows, and 3 bulls for a total of 75 animals. Thing is, they aren't supposed to be free-ranging. They broke a gate and released themselves from a farm in Sharon Springs, New York. Released themselves on their own recognizance, so to speak. Perhaps they uh, they no longer felt their former institution had anything left to offer them. Anyway, the farm is located about 45 miles from Albany, New York. The owner of the bison is working in conjunction with the Department of Environmental Conservation and the state police to get the herd back. Suddenly free of their lifelong confinement, the herd is starting to break up into smaller groups, making them more difficult to locate. Bison were originally killed off from the eastern part of the country as they were a good source of food and hides and they competed with domestic livestock for feed. Seems little has changed in 300 years. The locals of Otsego County, New York, are concerned about the destruction of hay crops in the area as well as the intimidating nature of a 2,000-pound bison bull. It appears that New York's roaming bison are soon to be extirpated once again. But if for some reason these bison were to make a couple of lucky moves, they might find their way to some pretty good-sized pieces of state ground, preserves, and wildlife management areas nearby. At the time of this podcast, the bison have been on the lam for over a week. Though their fields have sustained some damage, the folks of Otsego County have had the unique experience of watching bison walk wherever they please for the first time in about 300 years. A good reminder that Buffalo, New York, wasn't named for the chicken wings. <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about catfish, radioactive wildlife, sturgeon, and the BLM. 
But first, I'm gonna tell you about my week. I went back to the beautiful state of Tennessee to join folks from the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Foundation and talk Asian carp and invasive species. Holy cats, did I have an incredible time. So much so that I just can't talk about it all. So first off, I'm going to do some housekeeping. Then I'm going to talk about just one of the many Tennessee fishing adventures I went on. So, on to the housekeeping portion. In the last episode of Cal's Week in Review, episode 13, that dealt with free buffalo rides, giant worms, and a manner of other things, I wrongfully and heinously named the lead singer of the death metal band Cannibal Corpse as Alex Webster. Alex Webster is, in fact, the bassist for Cannibal Corpse. The lead vocalist is, of course, George Corpse Grinder Fisher. Apologies to all of you out there in death metal land. My next screw up, I got my units of measure mixed up on my grizzly bear facts. Although grizzlies have been clocked at up to 41 miles per hour, they have not, as I stated last week, been sprinting at 60 miles per hour. I, to be completely honest, do not care about this mix-up as I don't think it matters in regards to tourist proximity to wildlife. But I love talking about grizzlies, and this is another opportunity to do so. The fastest human on Earth can travel at about 27 miles per hour on an optimal surface. Jamaica's Usain Bolt has the current world record for the 100-meter sprint at an astounding 9.58 seconds. Usain would have been traveling about 39.6 feet per second. Grizzly bears have been recorded running 41 miles per hour. So, even if we shave a bit off and agree to a pace of 50 feet per second, or 34 miles an hour, the grizzly would cover 100 meters in 6.56 seconds. The human is going to lose the 100 meter death dash every time. So, you know, keep your damn distance from animals in the park. Okay. Back to Tennessee for one quick story about catfish noodling or hogging or boxing, whatever you call it, the technique is the same. Hand fishing for catfish. The angler's hand, in this case mine, is used as the rod, reel, and bait. In the spring, catfish seek out holes in submerged logs, stumps, mud banks, or in this case, man-made submerged boxes to spawn. These nest sites typically have a single point of entry and the catfish protects its nest from intruders by facing the hole. The angler attempts to block the entrance while inserting a hand into the nest, provoking the catfish to defend its site by biting the intruding member. When the catfish bites, the angler is supposed to grab the lower lip of the cat. This was explained to me like grabbing a suitcase handle. Then, get the blocking hand through the hole onto the lip of the cat or the back of the jaw or gill plate. Two hands on the cat is the golden rule. Apparently, they do not make catfish noodlers that are capable of one-hand catches. The bite is, in my estimation, shockingly violent and powerful. But the real rodeo begins when the tail comes free of the hole or box in this case. A solo angler will lock their legs around the fish's tail in order to immobilize it. Imagine a full-body bear hug only underwater and with a fish. Yeehaw! I had a spotter and a coach, Damien Loveless, who clamped onto the tail and we kicked for the surface. This is a seriously strange sport. I've been face-to-face with grizzly bears, screaming bull elk, and all manner of other things, but this was just different. You insert your hand into a confined, muddy space and wait for an unseen fish to bite it. Violently. 
That said, I found it oddly transformative. If this sounds like something you want to experience, give Dennis Redden and Damian Loveless a shout. They're good guys to hang with, and they know their stuff. Most catfish grabbing is catch and release. These are big, successfully reproducing fish, and they are great to admire and let go to swim off and make more big-ass catfish. When the cat grabbed my arm, in this instance, I freaked out and felt one of my fingers snap part of a gill. At that point, my head kind of cleared from the adrenaline, and I decided I would not be letting go of this pissed-off fish no matter what. If it was going to die, I was going to be the one eating it, not some snapping turtle. I then grabbed the cat firmly by the gills, shot my left hand in and secured the head by the gill plate. Damien seized the cat by the tail, and now I have the better part of a 28-pound catfish in the freezer and a nasty-looking road rash-type situation on my forearm, best described as a friction burn delivered by 80-grit sandpaper. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support. And that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person. And that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com slash cow. That's meatfabric.com slash cow. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cow. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on X. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Moving on, but sticking with the topic of gills... 
Some recent viral videos on Facebook and YouTube have inspired anglers to start keeping a bottle of Mountain Dew on them at all times. And no, it's not for the caffeine and sugar high. Instead, fishermen are supposed to use this magical elixir as a healing agent to save fish with bleeding gills. Those promoting this theory claim that dumping soda on a fish's wound will stop the hemorrhaging via cauterization. These anglers have their hearts in the right place, but not their heads. If it were true that soda cauterizes gills, then that would stop their gas exchange, which is crucial for fish to, you know, breathe. What these anglers are accomplishing is overhandling fish and introducing a foreign substance to their delicate gills. As one aquatic ecologist told Meat Eater in an interview, my initial take is that the acidic nature of soda is bad for sensitive gill tissues. The best thing one could do is get the fish back in water that's the appropriate temp. This soda on fish gills debate will soon come to an end though. Carleton University in Canada is halfway through a study testing this theory. Their research is scheduled to wrap up sometime this summer, but the lead biologist has said that he's not ready to make any predictions quite yet. Until there's a definitive answer, we'd prefer that you swiftly dispatch a mortally wounded fish and put it in a cooler next to your soda rather than giving it a Mountain Dew baptism and sending it off into a watery grave. For more on this subject, check out Spencer Newhart's article at TheMeatEater.com titled Stop Pouring Soda on Fish Gills. For more on Mountain Dew, here's a fun fact for you. One of the original slogans for the soda introduced in 1940 was... It'll tickle your If we do end up finding that soda pop helps fish, they just might bring that one back. If you're into pop culture, what the kids are watching on the tube, you're probably like my buddies and have already binge-watched the HBO series Chernobyl. Well, these next quick hitters are just for you. And, as a bonus, if you're into doing things in the out-of-doors, these next quick hitters are for you too. The Chernobyl nuclear disaster occurred back in April of 1986 and is considered to be the worst nuclear disaster in history. A meltdown of reactors 4 and 3 resulted in heavy amounts of radioactive contamination across parts of Belarus, Ukraine, Russia, and many other countries depending on where the wind blew. Pripyat was one of the worker towns that was immediately evacuated. With little human activity in the 1,000-plus-mile Chernobyl exclusion zone for three decades, wild animals have taken refuge there. One survey in the area documented horses, wolves, badgers, swans, moose, elk, Turtles, deer, foxes, beavers, boars, bison, mink, hares, otters, lynx, eagles, rodents, storks, bats, and owls. <sighs> Phew! There's a grab bag of oddities among the radioactive Pripyat critters, including cows with toxic milk, owls with soft beaks, mink with sterile sperm, eagles with visible tumors, badgers with smaller brains, rabbits with cataracts, pigs with five legs, and catfish with two jaws. No word on if any teenage turtles with ninja skills that love pizza or spiders passing on incredible abilities to puny high school kids have ever been discovered. Mutations and nuclear fallout be damned, many wild animals are obviously booming in the exclusion zone. Specifically, those at the top of the food chain are thriving. Wolves and bears now outnumber the amount of humans working around Chernobyl, and fox and raccoon dog populations are on the rise. Quick sidebar here, a raccoon dog is neither a dog nor a raccoon. The raccoon dog is found throughout Asia and is closely related to the fox. 
Another couple of fun facts, the raccoon dog is the only canid that hibernates. And, in Japanese folklore, the raccoon dog is called tanuki. The tanuki is often depicted with a giant scrotum, which represents good luck with money, for some reason unknown to me. Now that you know that, we can get back to radioactive animals. Scientists have found that an ultra-rare Eurasian lynx has taken shelter in the Chernobyl site. The 50 to 60 pound lynx was nearly driven to extinction by overhunting, but now there are hundreds of them taking advantage of the lack of humans. Speaking of cats, if your animal-loving soft heart is crying out for the animals of Chernobyl, there's a non-profit that recently announced you can now adopt a radioactive cat or dog. Virtually adopt, that is. By virtually adopting a dog or cat, you're paying for food, vaccinations, and spay and neuter campaigns. For just a hundred, you'll be considered a hero adopter and awarded with an adoption certificate, a 4x6 framed image of your stray, and eight dogs of Chernobyl postcards. As all of you know, I'm a proponent of fixing feral cats, so this adoption program for sad-eyed pets is old cow and probably Sarah McLaughlin approved. In the arms of the Just kidding, of course. If you want to help stray critters, I believe in doing so locally. Moving over to the big fish desk. Those of you who follow the Meat Eater social media accounts may be familiar with Jeffrey. My name's Jeff. You can call me Jeffrey. The obnoxious fishing character we invented to promote some of our website articles. Hey, camera lady, my mustache is up here. Folks seem to think that Jeffrey was my disappointing little brother or maybe unwanted, illegitimate love child. He's not. His real name is Carl. He works in our production department. He plays the bass and is an actual real-life fan of the death metal band Cannibal Corpse. I'm not joking. And he's a very nice guy. Oh, that one's firm and real floppy. Anyway, if you watch those videos, you'll know that Jeffrey is all about catching dinosaurs. And a group of kids in Adena, Minnesota, I believe they call it Adina, a suburb of Minneapolis, actually did catch a kind of dinosaur recently. The pack of free-ranging children were having a little unsupervised summertime fun, a practice we strongly support here at Meat Eater. The kids were playing on a Minnehaha Creek when one of them spotted an enormous fish finning in the skinny water. One adventurous youth fashioned a slipknot snare with a length of rope he uh, must have fished out of his dad's garage. Then the precocious little bugger slipped the rope over the fish and found himself attached to a six-foot-long lake sturgeon, roughly seven times the kid's age. The kids did what curious children are wont to do and dragged the poor beast up on shore to examine it, but soon remembered that the fish can't breathe out of water. They didn't want to kill such a cool critter and released it back into the creek. A little bit banged up, but otherwise all right. Uh, You can watch all this for yourself on YouTube. The question, though, is how did an approximately 70-year-old lake sturgeon wind up in a small suburban creek with no known sturgeon population? Lake sturgeon are native to the Mississippi River, into which Minnehaha Creek does eventually flow, but a waterfall blocks fish from swimming up the creek. The only other explanation is that it came downstream from Lake Minnetonka. Though the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources has never found any evidence of a live sturgeon in that lake, rumors of their existence are widespread. For now, local DNR officers are on the hunt for the sturgeon with hopes of capturing it and relocating it to the Mississippi, where maybe it can reunite with others of its kind and help perpetuate the species. 
I, for one, love so many elements about this story, but particularly the part where suburban kids got to interact with an enormous wild fish. That's rare these days. Sturgeon are incredibly cool, prehistoric creatures going back 200 million years. Instead of scales, they have rows of bony plates called scoots, similar to the skin of a crocodile or bird feet. North America has nine different species of sturgeon, though most of them are now vulnerable, threatened, or endangered. In the 1800s, sturgeon could be found up and down the East Coast from Labrador to Florida, across the Gulf Coast from Tampa to Louisiana, on the West Coast from California to British Columbia, throughout the Great Lakes, and in the Missouri River system, clear up to Montana and Idaho. Adult sturgeon spend most of their time feeding either in very large lakes or marine estuaries, and then migrate up rivers to spawn. Your average sturgeon can grow to somewhere between 7 and 12 feet in length and weigh in at several hundred pounds. But particularly large varieties, like the fabled beluga sturgeon, can grow upwards of 18 feet long and push the scales at over 4,000 pounds. Sturgeon routinely live more than 100 years. Long-lived species like these are particularly vulnerable because they don't reach sexual maturity for quite some time, up to 20 years of age, a detriment for making new sturgeon fast. Sometimes I kind of wish that reproductive age limit were true for people too, but anyway, a lot can happen to a big-ass fish in 20 years before they even get a chance to perpetuate their genetics. In the early 20th century, this thing called caviar became a popular delicacy. Caviar being a fancy word for fish eggs, usually sturgeon eggs. During that time, the U.S. became the primary exporter of caviar to Europe, and enterprising folks all over the country made a good living commercially harvesting every species of sturgeon. That is, of course, until there weren't enough left to viably harvest, at which point the caviar industry here went bust. Sturgeon eggs are still a big deal, though, and the most highly prized eggs from the Caspian Sea sell for more than $10,000 a pound. These days, all our American sturgeon are protected, except for white sturgeon in certain places on the West Coast where the fish are still in pretty good shape. The appearance of one adult lake sturgeon in one Midwestern creek is hardly valid evidence of a species-wide rebound, but these fish have experienced something of a comeback in the past couple decades, and heartwarming stories like this one that happen to go viral can do a great deal to boost people's awareness. It's safe to say that this particular fish made for a unique summer break and created big sturgeon fans out of some kids from Edina, Minnesota. Yeah! I'm going to leave you with one more quick one before we wrap up. Just something or someone rather to keep tabs on. A man named William Perry Pendley has been made the acting head of the Bureau of Land Management or the BLM. This new BLM head is making folks very nervous. Some folks very excited, I suppose. The BLM oversees an incredible 245 million surface acres of public land in the U.S., on these lands, you will find everything from incredible recreational opportunities like hunting, skiing, and whatever else you can think of to have a good time. You will also find folks grazing livestock, generating power, and digging for gold. Sometimes, in some areas, a mix of all these activities are taking place at the same time. Chances are, if you are the get-outside-and-do-stuff type of person, you appreciate vast and beautiful, sometimes desolate landscapes, or you eat domestic meats or consume goods in general, you are connected to BLM ground. 
The reason this fellow William Perry Pendley is making folks nervous is he has been very outspoken about America's public lands, as in he thinks they should be privately held by individuals, like no longer public. Lots of questions have been raised as to how a person with these types of ideas could be at the helm of roughly 10% of the ground in America, the ground that feeds us, keeps us happy and healthy, and gives us power for our towns and cities. I certainly do not have an answer to that, but I do know that this situation is something we as co-owners of these public grounds need to keep an eye on. So go out, enjoy your public lands and waters this week, breathe deep that clean air, take stock of our collective holdings, and if, uh, you know, suspect things start happening on BLM ground, just call your uh, duly elected officials and let them know how much that BLM ground means to you and how badly you do not want it messed up or, in the worst case scenario, sold to some dude or corporation or other country maybe that's going to put a big old no trespassing sign on it. Well, that's all I've got for this week. Thanks for listening to Cal's Week in Review. Please let me know where I've screwed up and what I should be paying attention to by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeatEater.com. That's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com. Please subscribe. Leave me a review by hitting that furthest right-hand star. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel, gum, and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.